Well, hi, everybody. I'm Larry Jacobs. This is Pre-K-12 Education Talk Radio. It's May 24th, excuse me, 2023. Thanks for being with us today. We do appreciate it, and maybe you're listening on the archives. We know a lot of people do that. That's the nature of podcasting, and that's just fine. Okay, we podcast everything at our home website, which is the home website of our American Consortium for Equity in Education. That's over at ace-ed.org. And over there, you'll see everything we do, our online journal, Equity and Access, which is there for you. It's a wonderful journal. Our guest today, CEC, helps us circulate that to their membership. We appreciate that. Okay, it's a good magazine. Check it out. We publish it every other month. We're putting together a new issue right now, but the issue that's up there on site at ace-ed.org is absolutely excellent. All of our podcasts are there under the podcast link and all kinds of other information, including information about our Excellence in Equity Awards. And I want to remind everybody, this is important to us and important to you, that nominations are now open for the 2023 Excellence in Equity Awards. And again, that's at ace-ed.org slash awards. There were 160-plus nominees and over 50 winners in 2022, and we're looking to highlight and celebrate even more contributions to equity this year. On our website, again, ace-ed.org, You'll find 29 categories dedicated to companies and organizations, products, leaders, along with 15 categories for educators, paraprofessionals, and support staff of all roles. 20 of the categories are brand new this year, so be sure to check them out. The nomination process, and we do hope you nominate, you nominate yourself, but nominate friends, colleagues, companies, work with, et cetera, et cetera. The nomination process is open until August 4th. But now is the best time if you are a company, if you are a company, to take advantage of our early bird period, which goes until June 2nd. That gives companies the best pricing for them to nominate and sponsor uh, all the things that they do, etc. For educators, it's free. Please go over and check out everything we do and nominate today at ace-ed.org slash awards. And if you have questions, just email awards at ace-ed.org. Okay, we're pretty proud of the Equity Awards, and we hope you get involved in it this year. Okay, it's good stuff. We have a wonderful show for you today. I'm going to bring my guests on now. It's been organized by the CEC, Council for Exceptional Children, and I'm just clicking everybody on right here. We have a whole slew of guests, and I'm going to start off with the person who helps me so much over at CEC, the one, the only, Lori Vanderplug, who is their Associate Executive Director. Good morning, Lori. It's Larry here. Good morning, Larry. Thank you for having us on this morning. We're very excited to be able to share some information around school mental health. Thank you. It's such an important topic. And by the way, I do have to say, and I'm going to, uh, I thank every one of my guests. I'm going to introduce in one second. We tried to do the show a couple of weeks ago. We ran into a sound problem. We got everybody together today. So I just want to thank Lori and all my guests for getting together today. I'm going to go down the list here. Sharon, are you there? I'm here, Larry. Hi, Sharon. Sharon Hoover. Okay, she is the co-director of the National Center for School Mental Health. All right, and you're a professor at the University of Maryland. All right, School of Med School of Medicine. Excuse me for not saying that. The Division of Child and Adolescent Psychiatry. Thank you, Dr. Hoover, for being here. Thank you for having me. My pleasure. Okay, Mark, are you there? 
Yes, sir. Time to call. Don't call me, sir. You're down south, but you can't call me, sir. That's a southern thing. You have to call me Larry. Let's, <laughs> let's start again. Hi, okay, Larry. Mark, are you there? There you go. Good job, Mark. Yes. Hi, Larry. <laughs> it's a southern thing, and I love it. I, again, it's just so great. Okay. Professor, you're a professor at the University of South Carolina. Go Gamecocks. Okay. Department of yes. Psychology. Yeah. And <laughs> established the national. You established. If I, did I get this right? The National Center for School Mental Health, of which Sharon is the co-director. Do I have all this right? Yes, with the team back in the 90s, we got it started. But Sharon and colleagues are taking it to new levels. I'm sure they are. We're going to talk about that today. And you partner with the National Center on Positive Behavioral Interventions and Supports. Am I correct, Mark? Yes. Yes, I'm a partner on the current PBIS Center. Good. Well, I'm going to hear all about this. We really need, as we're going to talk about school mental health today, we really need all this. And Jeremy, are you there from Utah? I am, Larry. Good morning. Good morning, Jeremy. How are you today? Doing well. That's good. How's the weather in Utah? And by the way, what time is it out there? What time is it? Oh, it's a perfect, bright 7 a.m. Oh, thank you for getting wonderful. We're enjoying nice spring weather before it gets too hot here in the high desert. Well, I got to tell you, we East Coasters, all of us, appreciate you getting up so early and being with us today. I got to tell you, okay, I really, I really do. All right, and I'm in Maine, by the way. We got South Carolina, we got Maryland, we got the Washington D.C. I think that's where Lori. Lori, are you there? And what? Where are you, Lori? Are you in Washington? I'm in, yep, I'm in D.C. area. Yes, we got D.C. We got Maryland. We got South Carolina. I'm in Maine, and Jerry bringing up the West Coast here. Okay, and Jeremy, tell us about your company, E-Luma Therapy. I, I, I kind of know what you do, but you just give us a quick overview. Absolutely. We partner Please with great brag. organizations like, brag. like those that are here on this call, and, and we help schools to establish a good MTSS framework around good. school-based mental health. Uh, everything uh, across Tier 1, 2, 3, and the interventions that students need to thrive. Is Eluma Therapy a consulting company, or do you provide therapists as well? Both. So we provide the the providers and match them with schools, and then facilitate it through telehealth, mm-hmm. yeah. and then also do the consulting and coaching for providers on the ground and it, administration. It's, it's, yeah, I, you know, I I so appreciate that because we are. As, I, as you might have heard you mention, we're all about equity and access here, okay? And so there's a lot of challenges out there, which we're going to talk about today, all right? And it's companies like yours that give access to mental health services where it may not exist otherwise, through teletherapy, et cetera. And I cannot say, I cannot emphasize how important that is these days. This is one of the most important services we can give to a school. All right, so I just want, I want to thank you it's for really being part of that. Way. Yeah, it really is. That's e-lumotherapy, yeah, everybody. Oh, you're welcome. We'll, we'll talk more about it, okay? And I think, I think I've got it here. Hold on. It's eluma.com if you want to check it out, E-L-U-M-A, okay? okay. What's Luma? What's eluma? I definitely said that. What's, what's Luma? Well, here, where'd you get the name? So it comes from Luminary. Luminaries wow. are teachers' models for kids. And uh, there are also those paper bags around the holiday time with candles that float into the air or sit on the ground, but uh, bringing light to those that need it. 
Ah, there you go. That's really that's that's well said. Thank you. It's a nice name for the company. That's Eluma Therapy, everybody. Eluma.com. Lori, I want to swing back to you and thank Jeremy. We'll get back to you in just a few minutes. We're going to talk about school mental health today. Lori Vanderplug is the Associate Executive Director over at CEC, one of my favorite organizations, ExceptionalChildren.org. If you want to go over there, but you probably all know uh, what we're talking about here. It's just so important these days. Lori, you had a recent meeting about school mental health, which is key. And by the way, I want to tell everybody, I was reading the New, what's that? I was reading the New York Times, okay, today, and there's a big, uh, one of the uh, op-ed uh, podcasts from Ezra Klein is all about teen mental health. I haven't listened to it yet or read it, but it's, but it's there in the New York Times today, if anybody wants to listen to that, in addition to what we're doing here at the show. Lori, talk about school mental health these days. What's the state of it? How was the meeting? When did it happen, et cetera? Well, it's definitely a uh, national issue that all of us are coalescing around and trying to figure out Ugh, some positive brutal. resolutions. So on May 1st, um, CEC actually held a convening uh, with about 15 of the top uh, subject matter experts on school mental health. And we really focused in on um, school mental health for all, which would include both students and the school personnel as well. So we came Good. up with some shared definitions. We looked at effective approaches. We talked a little bit about research and data. Spent quite a bit of time identifying the challenges within our system uh, to really effectively um, support, uh, particularly students and, and staff around mental health-related issues. And then we came up with some initial action planning that we're really hoping that um, as collective partners um, in this venture that we're able to uh, support uh, school mental health interventions in a very positive way uh, to get the best results that we can for um, our nation. So we're lucky enough to have three of our national expert partners with us um, here yep. to share some perspectives on, on the school mental health activities and, and what we hope to be able to do. And, and Lori, did, were you able to put it into a report? Is that available to schools, et cetera? Is it, is it up on site yet? I know you, were, you met May 1st, so it's, it's, it's May 24th now. Uh, are you going to put it up on site, all, all, these, all the challenges and, and the solutions? Is, will that be available to people? Yes, yeah, we have a small subgroup of us that are going to be working on May 31st to really identify some uh, principles um, that are going to guide the work that we're going to be doing. And once those get identified and some additional action plans and recommendations or potential resources, uh, we will certainly look at dissemination of those um, so that the field has access to all of that information. Yeah, we got to have it because it, 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 I keep using the word, but it is brutal out there. Okay, it's tough to right. be an educator, okay, it, you know, and it's tough to deal with kids these days, and there really is a serious challenge out there, and we got to do something about it. And, you know, which, which begs the question, I'm going to start, I'm going to start with Sharon, okay, ladies first, by the way, Dr. Hoover, okay, I, 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 Sharon, why, and this is key, why should schools be really a part of all this? Okay, schools have enough, schools are there to educate. Okay, I, I know they're there to do more, but that's what they were established for. Okay, mm -hmm. now all of a sudden we also have to deal with mental health. Okay, and there are a lot of people, you know, talk about social emotional learning and all that. Sharon, talk mm -hmm. about all this. Okay, Dr. Hoover, why, why, why should schools be a part of this? And every district in the country, of which there are about 13,000 of them, have to understand this. Okay, it's, it's hard. Yep. And it's, and it's hard to do, by the way. You know, some districts are very small, 
Okay. Other districts yeah. are extremely huge and they all have the same challenges. Go ahead, Sharon. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for the question, Larry. So you're right. It's not easy, but it's essential. You know, we know our young people are in a mental health crisis right now. And I'll give you three primary reasons that we always talk about schools being a critical part of the solution to youth mental health. So first, schools are where young people are, where they spend the vast majority of their time outside of their homes. And if you take a public health approach to any health concern, including mental health, you go to where people are most likely to be, and you put in place things like early identification and intervention so that you can catch concerns early and intervene. So number one, it's about access and early intervention, and you talked a lot about access when you opened the program, so I appreciate that. Yeah. So that's number one. Yeah. Number two, you know, and actually Jeremy mentioned this three tiers of support model. So schools offer this unparalleled opportunity, really, to provide this full continuum of supports to young people. So, you know, to address the youth mental health crisis, we all can't sit downstream and wait for young people to suffer to the point that they find themselves in an emergency department, right? We really have to move upstream, put things in place like coping skills for all students. You mentioned social emotional learning. Yeah. Really to help yeah, to help our young people navigate the daily stressors. And schools are the place to do this and it has to be done in partnership with families. And then the last reason you know, as you said, wait a minute, aren't schools in the business of learning and academics and not yes. mental health? And yeah, so the answer is yes, schools are in the business of learning and academics. And we have years of data that shows that if we support student mental health in schools, they are far more likely to perform well academically. So the, the third main reason is right. just it's in the best interest of schools, right, to ensure that their students are mentally well so that they're ready to learn. So there's lots yeah, of good I, reasons, Larry. Yeah, and I, and I wanted you to say that I was playing the devil's advocate when I asked that question, why should we do it? You know, it, it is just so, it, it's so darn important. And, and, you know, the way you positioned this, Sharon, was, was so key. There is a mental health crisis out there. It's everywhere. And I, I'll use the analogy, the current big trend AI, artificial intelligence, you know, we can pretend it's not out there and just go on and pretend like it, like we're just things are normal, like things are are back the way they were before <laughs> AI, but they aren't. Okay, you can put your head in the sand and pretend it's not there, and it's the same thing with the school mental health uh, challenge. Okay, if we want kids to learn these days, we have to be prepared to take care of them. Otherwise, they can't learn because there's too much other stuff going on in their heads. Okay, it's tough out there. All right, it's just okay. a, it's just a fact of life. You know, we just have to deal with it. And that's why schools, like you just said, have to have to work on all this. And believe me, that isn't easy. And, Sharon, I want to ask you one other thing, okay? We're asking schools to be part of the solution. And, it's by the way, it's companies like Jeremy's that, that make it even possible to do this because there's such a shortage of school counselors and such a shortage of school psychologists, okay, especially in places, I mean, I've dealt, I always use them as an example. Uh, there's a small town, I talked to the superintendent once on the show, called Beulah, North Dakota. It's in western North Dakota. It's a tiny little town, lovely town, I'm sure, but it's small. Where are they going to get the services for their kids? And it's going mm -hmm. to be companies like Jeremy's that has, to make, that has to make it possible because those kids have the same challenges that every other kid does. A kid in New York City has the same type of problem. Okay, and we got to make this happen if these kids if these kids are going to learn. I'm going to keep complimenting Jeremy because I know the, the, what what the, what the uh, what those good companies do, and you too. You know, it's just it's just so darn important. I want to ask you, as co-director, Madam Co-director, 
what does this National Center on School Mental Health do? Sure. Okay, how do so, you get the word out, et cetera? Let's just brag about it. And by, by the way, Mark was one of the uh, founders of it. So that's right. Mark was yeah. a founder, and yeah, we've been around for a while. We've been around for yes, over twenty-five years now. He wears a white wig and a long coat. He's one of the founding <laughs> fathers. It's, it's a beautiful that's thing. That's right. That's right. Yeah, he, he, he only writes with a quill pen. I know. Yeah. So we've been around for a while. You can find out more about our work at schoolmentalhealth.org. And we've been funded out of the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services. They looked up over 25 years ago and, and, you know, determined that schools were really engaging with community partners to support the mental health of young people. And so they wanted a center to be able to provide technical assistance and support to schools and districts and states as they were doing this work. So our mission is to strengthen policies and programs in school mental health to improve learning and promote success for all of the young people in our nation. And so we do that by conducting research. We also do a lot of training and technical assistance. We help try to advance policies that support mental health in schools. And then we also do practice work. So we are not only doing work across the nation, but we've had a really long-standing program in Baltimore City and in some other areas across oh, Maryland to support mental health. Yeah, so we're, we're practicing what we preach. <laughs> yeah, that, that's, that's an, I know that school district quite well, okay, in Baltimore City. Okay, yep. and uh, they they have their challenges, and they deal with them every day, and they deal with them well. Okay, is the best yep. way I can say that. Mark, then I'll, I'll throw this over to you, Dr. Weiss, okay, down the University of South Carolina. Go Gamecocks. I'll say that every time. Okay, so, Mark, this has been – you've been in business. You, you established the National Center 25 years ago. Okay, it's 2023. That's 1998. I can do math. Okay, at least I learned that much in mathematics. Okay, 1990. What prompted you in 1998 to start this? Maybe you thought things were bad then. Boy, did you know what was coming around the bend in 2023? What made you start thinking about this in, in, back in 1998? It was actually 95. Um, ah, Larry, there you go. And so the, the, what, what was happening in Baltimore, Baltimore is one of the leading cities in the nation for school-based health centers. Um, because based on the recognition hmm. that youth, you know, tend to have difficulty accessing primary health care. So, yeah, Baltimore, Dallas, Minneapolis were some of the leading cities. As we opened the center, hmm. uh, we realized the number one issue students were presenting with were emotional behavioral challenges. And that's consistent with epidemiology, wow. with, which suggests that students have um, more common, more significant emotional behavioral challenges than significant physical health challenges. So we started to add mental health staff to the school-based health centers, and then we realized the benefit, um, and we, we began to use the term expanded school mental health to convey that we were augmenting, building on what schools were already providing through a strong partnership with the mental health system. And then that model just really began to take off, so we grew from – uh, in around four schools in 91 to we're up to about 15 in 95 and then continue to grow the program. I believe um, there are mental health resources in, uh, from the community in more than half of Baltimore City schools right now. So That's it's, great. It's That's grown great. progressively. Yeah. That's great. And you keep mentioning Baltimore. I know Sharon's up in, up in Maryland. Were you in Baltimore prior to all this? Yeah, I started there at, at, at the same uh, university, University of Maryland School of Medicine, and I started there in 91. <laughs> ah, very good. Thank you. Okay, and that's good. And again, Baltimore City, I'll say it again, they have their challenges, but, man, they're trying. 
I know that. Yes, they are. Okay? Yeah. So believe me, I, I, I've dealt with them on the show, and they're just they're terrific educators down there, I have to say. So let me stick with you, Mark, and I'm going to ask Jeremy, too. Okay? We need systems and practices in there that help the students men, mentally, if I may, with their mental health, their social-emotional side, if, if I may. All right. And one of my uh, challenges to education training, all right, is that we know this and you noticed it back in 1995, but most teachers have absolutely no training. Okay. They have training in their, in their subject. They have training in pedagogy. They have no training in school mental health and school mental health is a huge, huge challenge if you want to be a successful teacher. Okay. So, I started with that. The systems and practices that are in schools, how would you get them to, to involve and have the teachers understand this? Okay. To me, it's a very important part of all this. Mark. Well, we're working more on pre-service education for educators in mental health. There is a movement Good. toward that as well as post-service. So, for example, uh, Sharon hosts an annual conference. We do as well which includes many educators who are getting training on Good. mental health. But another really critical concept is uh, mental health literacy. And I know Sharon can speak to this as well, where we're integrating information mm. about mental health into classrooms, uh, which benefits the students but also benefits the staff. So we have a research study now in Baltimore and in Greenville, South Carolina, where oh, we're beautiful Greenville. implementing, implementing yeah. a mental health literacy program. And it's, it's going very well. The, the staff enjoy the content. The students enjoy the content. We believe it, it helps with stu student and staff relationships. So mental health literacy, I think, is just a really important direction um, for us to be pursuing. And I, 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 I think it's fantastic. Yeah. I, I think it's fantastic. And by the way, you both college professors, you and Sharon, I want you to walk over to the School of Education. Do it today. Tell them Larry sent you. Okay, and tell them to start bringing up social, emotional learning and mental health needs and how to deal with it to everybody they intend to send into a public school. Okay, that's right, got to we'll, be we'll part of the training of a teacher. We'll do. Yes, do that. We'll okay, do. okay, we'll okay. Do. and I'll take the hit. Okay, they'll yell and scream, but I'm telling you, it's got to be done. You're on the right track here. It's that simple. And since we haven't done that, we now swing over to Mr. Glauser. Jeremy, are you there? I am, yeah. Okay. System for Worried I fell back asleep, Larry. <laughs> <laughs> I know no, you I'm, had that I'm, second I'm, cup of coffee. I know you had that second yeah, cup good. of coffee. You were in good shape. Okay. <laughs> You're an entrepreneur. 7 a.m. is, is lunchtime for an entrepreneur. That's yeah, all that's there is right. to it. Yeah, you got that. So, you know, and, and again, again, you're, you're, a company like Illumina really matters these days. Okay, and we're talking about systems and practices, but when you go in there, when you consult, I want you to talk about this. You have to get the teachers involved, the principals involved. It's not just, oh, you know, here's, here's Jeremy and his gang, see you all later. Okay, talk about how you actually go into a school and make things work. Jeremy, over at Illuma. Yeah, that's great. Thanks for the opportunity. And I want to go say that just like there are systems and practices in, in schools, I mean, there are systems and practices just in the way that we partner with organizations like CEC, what, what Sharon and Mark are doing in their, uh, their own spheres. And much of what we do is talk about systems and, and we help put it into practice as one 
great resource for schools, but we're not the only resource. There are many great companies, great organizations that are out there doing uh, doing work to move this forward. Mm -hmm. And I want to go back and just comment on something that Sharon said earlier sure. about schools are in the business of learning and academics. And one of the reasons that it's important we're talking about school-based mental health is because data shows that there, this is especially acute for families uh, or children and youth who come from families of low income or marginalized or minority populations. And the data shows that they are much less likely to have mm. that mental health support outside of a school setting. Mm. And so it is important because we know that if a child doesn't get sleep or, or food, it's hard for them to learn. If their physical health is a barrier, it's hard for them to learn. And yeah. it's the same with their mental health. And so what we do is we go in and much of what we do is what Mark just referenced around mental health literacy it starts with a, a readiness assessment, and there are so many schools across this country who do wonderful work and have implemented great uh, SEL curriculums or, or curriculums that teach about resilience, that teach about these, these incredible social and emotional skills that, mm -hmm. that kids do need. And mental health is, is uh, in partnership with that curriculum. Absolutely. And it's social, it's emotional, it's behavioral supports and interventions in a, in a tiered model. So once you have an idea of where the school's baseline is, then you can create a plan. And you take the good things that the schools have done and you expand on that and you build on that. And, and so along the continuum of tiered supports, these are interventions that students receive Students are not a tier one, a tier two, or a tier three student. And so mental health for all is really important because the goal is ultimately to help them not need tier two or tier three interventions, right. but to receive what all students need universally, which are screeners and you know, supports and literacy education knowledge about how to deal with depression and anxiety in addition to the social and emotional things that they are learning, to learn about how to identify risk and threat in the schools, to identify areas for building culture and climate that can help educators. Mm -hmm. Because we know that, that uh, hurt people end up hurting other people in many cases. And how do That's we right. feel ourselves as educators and get to a good place mentally so that we can then pass those tools on to young people that we're educating and stewards with. So there are lots of, you know, there are lots of good systems and practices and schools need to take a look at where they are and how to take the next step in implementing the practices that will promote the outcomes that they need to promote within their school and their population. And that's what we do. And that's what so many schools are already doing and so many more schools will need to do. <laughs> it, it, it is a lot. It, it, it's a lot. How many schools are you working with, if you can say? Or how many districts? Or uh, we, say that? we work with a few hundred districts. Wow. Very, you know, in, entrenched and 
<laughs> intimate relationship to good. move them forward. It, well, it, it, it needs to be. Okay. And I have to ask you this, and actually we can talk about this with the gang. All right. And that is this. There's a big challenge out there with teacher retention. And the devil, you know, they're, they're leaving. Okay. We don't have a big pipeline coming in. It's, it's, it's a terrible challenge out there. All right. And part of that, okay, is because they're frustrated with the kids they're teaching. All right. They're just not feeling good about things and good about their profession. So they leave. All right. And if you can, Jeremy, I'll ask you this. If you want to continue on this, when you go in, we have to work with the educators, too. OK, very, very strongly to make them a under have good mental health literacy. I like that term. And be also to understand themselves in all this. And again, not only the world's going nuts, we have AI, everything else. Plus, we're coming off of a pandemic. OK, I mean, it's 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 a lot. OK. And I, I think you know, right, look, at the, look, look at the political situation. Everybody's yelling and screaming at each other. Okay, for no damn reason. All right. So, Mike, yeah. Mike, go, just talk about that. You know, the world we live in, how it affects teacher retention and mental health and all that sort of thing. And I know I, you I can. Happy to I know you can hear all that in thirty seconds. Go ahead, do it. Yeah. I think just it might be helpful for, for Lori, who is a resident expert on this, to share a few words. I was going to ask her next. Um, after you were done. Do you want to the, do first, or would you go to Lori? Yeah, I'll, I'll do it. I'll, I'll talk sure. just to a few points. But it, first, we need to acknowledge that we do face a lot of noise, and, and uh, we have a lot of politicization, especially around the job of an educator in this country and what they should and shouldn't do re regarding mental health for our youth. And the mental health of our educators is very important. Research has continued to show that, that the burnout is relative to the educator's ability to uh, succeed at their job and feel like they have the support of administration. And so, you know, it is, it is really an important effort for administration to make sure that we're setting up clear opportunities for success and obtaining the outcomes that yeah. educators can realistically obtain. And that comes to the capacity issue, is that there is a, a, a severe capacity issue that we're trying to build through pipeline, through uh, our organization, through many others. But I think Lori has a lot to add to this as well, because this is Lori really always has a lot of passion that we're researching about. Lori? Well, I think yeah, I think Jeremy. Um, Lori, well. you're on. Yeah. You're on. Go for it. Yeah. Yeah. I think I think I think Jeremy said it very well, and um, I'm sure that um, Mark and Sharon, in their uh, experiences and the work that they're doing, uh, can also speak very um, very well to this particular issue. Uh, Mark's been doing a lot of work around barriers and challenges, and the educator shortage or personnel shortage issue uh, certainly mm -hmm. plays into that. So um, I'll let Mark and Sharon pick up on a little bit of this as well. Yeah, I'm happy to jump in real quick just with a couple of a Take couple your time. of ideas. Take sure. Your time. Yeah, so so one thing I would just say is that absolutely we need to support our educators in feeling equipped to support the mental health of young people. And that is where mental health literacy and pre service and in service training come into play that we've already talked about. Another thing that, that we find schools are increasingly attending to, which is fantastic, is educators' well-being. So the, mm -hmm. the teachers yes. and the other educators and school staff 
mental health and well-being. So we've seen supports put in place not only to support their personal well-being. So, for example, there's a an evidence-based program called TeacherWise. It's at teacherwise.org. It's free. It's online. It's for educators to go in and support their own well-being. But there are also organizational factors within the school, within the district, that we know influence teachers' well-being. And so one of the things that our center has been working on is an assessment for schools to be able to go in and actually assess what are the things that they can do to support their own teachers in terms of their well-being. What do they need to have in place? So that, that'll be an assessment that actually goes live this week that, that uh, teachers can engage in. Yeah. Where, where would they get that? How do they find, where would people find that? Yeah, they, we, have a, we have a free online platform. It's called the SHAPE System, which stands for the School Health and Performance Evaluation System, but it's at theshapesystem.com. And we have about 20,000 schools in there right now, schools and districts going in and assessing their school mental health quality. Uh, and Great. then engaging in strategic quality improvement. So the, the organizational well-being inventory for schools will be on there this week. Wow, that is, that's excellent. That's that's wonderful, wonderful. I got to tell you, that's great. Mark, what do you want to add? Um, I, I just think if that uh, yeah, uh, staff need to be involved in choosing these wellness programs. One of the things we want to avoid is just pushing programs on folks. Um, so, for example, we did a, a listening circles in in some of the schools that we work with, just to create a space for staff to talk about what they're going through the stresses they're experiencing, the strategies they're using to cope, support one another. So I think we need um, those relational type strategies as well to, to really support teacher wellness. It's not just mindfulness and yoga and stress management, but I think we really need to focus on um, supportive relationships for, for educators. Yeah, totally agree, Mark. Yeah, thank you. And I, I got to say, you know, all of this, it's so hard right now to do Okay, and we just got to keep pushing there and make it make it work. You know, I want to ask you this, Mark. Uh, we we we've known this for a long time, and and you you all use the word terms mental mental health literacy. Okay, and you know this didn't just happen; it's been boiling up for years. Okay, it takes a long time for a pot of water to boil, and finally the pandemic kind of blew it over the top there. Okay, uh, is it is it not understanding the impact? of, of, of uh, mental health and education that has created the situation over the last 20 years? I mean, what, what is it? What, what were some of the barriers that, 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 that is it? And why aren't people going into the field anymore, school psychology and all that sort of thing? You can answer those. I'll give you another PhD this afternoon, okay? But they're tough questions, you know? Well, I think, I think the model that we set up for mental health care in the beginning maybe was somewhat flawed where – you know, you have this model where people need to navigate finding where the mental health center is, getting there, navigate insurance barriers, and then talk to an expert who tells them, you know, what to do. And so I think we got the model wrong to begin with, um, and we've recognized that. And so that, that has supported the movement toward expanding mental health in settings where people live and, and, and work. And uh, so schools, primary care, after-school programs, rec centers, you know, let's let's move mental health to where people are, versus well, this clinic yeah. clinic based model that uh, you that's know, what has, Jeremy has does. Flaws associated with it. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That's what he does. I mean, it's it's just that simple. We've got, and you know, it's it's the same. Mental health is the same as health. 
Okay, it's all just part of the human body. All right, and we yeah. we, we, we 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 let that bubble up. Okay, it's the best way I can put it. We just ignored it for too darn long. We've ignored a lot of things in education. The pandemic brought the, brought to the forefront. And, you know, actually, I want to ask that question. Lori, you can answer. I'll throw this to you, but you can uh, throw it to the group. You know, talk about the pandemic and all this. You know, we, we had these challenges beforehand, okay? And now, the, the, the I mean, how important was the pandemic and all this, Lori? Well, we know that it exacerbated um, many opportunities for our individuals across the nation, not only from an academic perspective, but certainly from – uh, an emotional and behavioral health perspective as well. But I'm going to bounce this one back uh, to Sharon first, and then maybe Mark sure. to piggyback on it. Yeah, I mean, I you know, this is not a new problem, I think is a, a big point to make. Mental health challenges for our young people, first of all, they were on the rise before the pandemic. Certainly they've been exacerbated by the pandemic. Uh, but it's also not just about uh, young people who are at kind of the highest level of need, right? As Mark said, we've had a, a flawed model in some ways by not taking more of a public health approach to mental health, yeah. both in our, you know, in our child yeah. systems and in our adult systems. And we're never going to treat our way out of this mental health crisis. There are absolutely uh, needs for hiring more child mental health specialists like school psychologists, school social workers, school counselors, and community partners coming into schools. But we also need to be leveraging all of the other adults in the building and the peers of young people to support overall mental health for everybody, right? This isn't about I'm having a bad day or a mental health challenge and therefore I right. need to be triaged or routed to treatment. It's just not yeah. the model that makes sense yeah. from a public health perspective. It, it, it really isn't. And, Lori, I've got to ask you something about CEC. You know, CEC is the council, you know this certainly, for the Council for Exceptional Children. You guys have always been the spokespeople, if I may, for special education, okay? And now mental health isn't, isn't special education. Mental health is, 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 is everywhere. These are kids that are, that are everywhere through the district. These are teachers that are everywhere through the school system. What got the CEC so involved in this, which I love, by the way, because you're, you're so good at the things you do? Lori, it's, it's a change for you uh, folks, and I love it. Or maybe it, it isn't is a change. Yeah. Yeah. No. I mean, there certainly is the national lens on it. There's a lot of information and grant opportunities coming out of the U.S. Department of Education, um, our members, you know, are articulating in surveys that um, this is one of the top issues that um, ah, they would like some more support around. And we were very intentional when we asked these national experts to come to the table that this was not a special education issue. And I think it was articulated a little bit earlier. This is an all-ed issue. Yeah, it is. Um, and CEC, um, I think what we're trying to do is partner um, with as many of the other uh, national organizations uh, to really be able to uh, coalesce around the issue and try and collectively look at how we can have a greater yeah. impact. Um, so we're looking at this from a system perspective, um, certainly not just a student-level perspective, but we know that we have to have a good foundation in place in our schools before the recommendations that these experts can um, certainly articulate well can be effective in their implementation or be implemented with any fidelity. So. Um, CEC is, is really here to um, work with them, support the work that they're doing, um, and certainly market opportunities and disseminate information, uh, not only to our members, but all of, all of the other partners that we have 
um, across the the different organizations. So it's it's an all hands on deck issue, and I mentioned yeah, it is. another uh, podcast with the educator shortage. But this is an all hands on deck. It's nothing that um, we can do in isolation. And CEC is just thrilled to be a partner, uh, you know, with people like Jeremy and Sharon and Mark and all of the others who participated with us on May first. And we're very optimistic um, that we are going to be able to have a positive outcome as a result of this. We have to. It's that simple. We have to. And to put your expertise behind it, I think, is is just great. Okay? You know, if I may, it's an exceptional challenge right now. Okay? We've we've got to understand it and and find the right experts and make it happen. Nobody's in a silo in education. We're all in this together. Thank you all for being with me today. This was just great, okay? So I, I can't thank you enough. I have your phone numbers and emails. I may call you all again to, to invite you back and, and continue this discussion because it's absolutely excellent. So, Lori, thanks again. Sharon, thank you. Mark, thank you. Jeremy, thank you. Okay, I hope you all enjoyed yourselves. Thank, thank you. you thank you, everybody. It was, right. it was terrific. Care. Worth waiting for right. you. You're welcome. Everybody, have a good day. And, and Mark and Jeremy has more of a day than everybody else. Thank you for so much for getting up so early. Okay? Thanks, gang. Bye-bye. Take care. Bye. 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 Okay, what a great group. That's great. And thank you, CEC, exceptionalchildren.org. They are a wonderful organization. Okay? And uh, what can I say? I always say this, special ed teachers go to heaven. Okay? And school librarians, I might add. All right. So let me just go over it again. That's from the uh, National, let me get this straight, the National Center for School Mental Health, Sharon Hoover, and the person who founded it, Dr. Mark Weiss from the University of South Carolina, the National Center for School Mental Health. And also, it was good company. I'm going to learn more about it. Jeremy Glauser, okay, E-Luma Therapy. All right, so check that all out. They may be able to help your school district, et cetera. And, of course, Lori Vanderplug, who is the Associate Executive Director over at CEC. Thanks to everyone who joined in the panel. Thank you for listening. I'm Larry Jacobs. See everything we do, our magazine, all our podcasts, and, of course, the awards program at ace-ed.org. Thanks for listening.